Welcome back to Tracking Shots. I'm Richie. And I'm Andrew. And today um, we're going to kind of do a spin-off of a previous topic that we had talked about. Previous topic that we talked about was our favorite scores or composers, and we definitely missed a lot in that one. So we'll probably have to re- revisit it or at least kind of update it, I suppose. But um, the one that we want to talk about today is um, soundtracks. So our favorite movie soundtracks. And you know, just to kind of go over the difference real quick, generally scores are orchestral, uh, origi- usually original creations by a composer. John Williams, for example, is, is a pretty famous one out there. And I'm not going to list the other ones because if I do, then I'm going to be mad at the ones I didn't list. And, and it will quickly become a score podcast right. instead of the soundtrack <laughs> podcast that we're trying to do. A, sound, a soundtrack is taking songs that already exist that are either pop culture songs or you know some of the examples that I know we're going to be talking about, unknown songs that become popular, but are just generally songs that are um, you know produced for not for the movie specifically, but are still used in the film, um, sometimes to pretty amazing effect. So... Let's get into it. I know you had a list of ones you want to talk about. I have my list here and some things I want to talk about in general, but why don't you kick us off? Well, yeah, so first and foremost, and I'll get out of the way because it is it is a huge cheat to, to use any musicals in this. Yeah. Because the it, the score almost is the soundtrack, and the yeah. soundtrack is the score for these, but I, I would be upset at myself if I didn't mention both the Blues Brothers, which, as I've discussed, mm-hmm. is, is in my top five favorite films of all time. Yeah. And Rocky Horror Picture Show. Okay, now I have one that I wanted to talk about, which was Help by the Beatles. Do you consider that one of those? Oh yeah. Okay. And uh, A Hard Day's Night is, yeah. is a really good. Let it soundtrack. be. Yeah, there's a bunch. Yeah. Yeah. No, that. I mean, again, those are kind of cheats because they're yeah. made for and by musicians and everything. But, right. I mean. It's funny. <laughs> that was one of the ones I wanted to talk about. No, and I, I get it. And, and again, we we discussed depending on when we release, what order we release this episode in. We discussed last time. I, I have strict rules and I have yeah. very malleable rules and this one for me like I just because if I if I allowed myself to just discuss musicals it would have Satan in the Rain on there yeah. it would I mean there'd be too many yeah and that's a whole other conversation because those are very specific so I guess the point is we're talking more about ones that that aren't traditional musicals Phantom of the Opera or um, um, you just said it. Uh, Singing in the Rain, yeah. Moulin Rouge, those those kinds of ones. I'm not a big fan of musicals, so I might sit out that podcast a little bit, but maybe we can still do it, whatever. Yeah. But, uh, okay, so we're talking about more, like, I think the one, I mean, for sure you want to talk about is Pulp Fiction, where they heavily use music. Well, and that's another thing. Yeah. So I, I'm just, <laughs> I'm not even going to talk about one specific work by either Quentin Tarantino or Martin Scorsese, oh, because yeah, they're yeah, the yeah. undisputed kings of putting together a great soundtrack. Yep. I, I mean, I think my favorite Quentin Tarantino soundtrack actually is Kill Bill Volume 1. Uh, really? Yeah, I own okay. that one, and it's it's fantastic. Okay. Um, but everything, Jackie Brown has a great 70s and 80s feel to it. Yep. On the soundtrack, you got uh, Death Proof is a lot of fun. Obviously, Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Steeler's Wheel, Stuck in the Middle with You, is, is forever yeah. synonymous with that's, Reservoir Dogs. And, and, yeah, and that's an example of a song that really wasn't popular. I don't even think the band was really well known until that particular scene in that particular movie. And that movie wasn't even that popular. It just became a cult hit later on. And that scene became so well known and so ingrained in pop culture. And well, yeah, he he'd filmed, I think, uh, like an eighteen minute version of that film and sent it to Harvey Keitel. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Harvey Keitel was the first guy to, to sign up for it. Uh, and then it it was it won a ton of awards, I think, at either Sundance or, or, or Cannes. And 
it, it still wasn't released, I don't think, wide in theaters. I think it did mostly art house movies, mm-hmm. but yeah, it definitely was his launching pad. It was it was a big deal for, yeah. for him and everything we got afterwards. <laughs> and then Scorsese, I mean, Gangs of New York has a yeah. more of a, a score than a soundtrack. But, it, but, it, but I mean, I'm looking at the soundtrack listing, there's, you know, 18 different songs here. Everybody from U2 to uh, Peter Gabriel and beyond. And it's, I think U2 was the... the Hands of Built America. Yeah, 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 that was nominated or won, I don't remember. Yeah. But. But you know, it's it's one of those things where he's he does good a job, and he he yeah he I think tends to blend score and and uh, soundtrack a little bit more closely than I think Tarantino at least in his earlier stuff relied more on that. And it could have been that maybe it was cheaper to get the rights to some of these songs than it was to hire a well-known or you know accomplished composer. Yeah, maybe I don't know. But I mean, the only one he's done a huge deal score with was. Uh, for Hateful Eight with yeah. Ennio Morricone. But I mean, and, and that won the Oscar. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Scorsese, if you look at Goodfellas or Casino, yep. they're just, they're perfect soundtracks yeah. for, for what you're watching on screen. The tone is just, is exactly right. And that's a tough thing to do because you're, 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 you're not necessarily writing these scenes to these songs. The songs certainly weren't written for those scenes. So to, to, to marry those two ideas is a really tough thing to do. And to be able to do that consistently pretty impressive I, I i'd say i think part of my favorite example of it uh, i think you would agree is it's a pretty good one is american graffiti yes and that one i i, I was looking it up and i I, <laughs> I couldn't believe how many songs are on here and it's it's 41 different tracks and i, I mean I, I don't know about you but i i love how that movie handled that where it was it was within the characters' worlds, but it was perfectly done. It was obviously one of those movies that took place over essentially one night. But the the range of music in here is pretty incredible, and it, it hit that time frame exactly right. Yeah, yeah, that's. And I mean, thankfully, George Lucas didn't go and try to remaster that <laughs> that film like the. <sighs> And for you, who doesn't even enjoy the Star Wars films, and I'm sorry for whoever that's offending, I've, I'm still not fully to terms with that, but uh, even <laughs> that, you understand he went back and, and all his decisions were for the worse, not for the better. Uh, yeah. But, so yeah, soundtrack-wise, so that I, I wanted to get those out of the way. I wanted to get musicals out of the way, and I wanted to get those two directors out of the way. And I think one of these times one of the ideas is kind of like a director showcase where yeah. we look at a director that we've both seen the majority of their films yeah. and we rank them and see where we rank their different films and we can talk about and things it, like the nice soundtrack. Like Tarantino tells you which, like how many films he's made mm-hmm. in each one, which is really nice. Like, oh yeah. yeah. It's, it's yeah. very, it's Sesame Street. Offense. Super, super humble too. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah the, of the, the, the legacy. Yeah. Uh, so with that being said, why don't you tell us about our, your first one, which is a musical. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so one of the ones that I always think about, and I, you know, I don't even really like the movie all that much. I don't think any of these movies, like I think of um, Tommy by uh, The Who. Not a great movie. Soundtrack's really interesting. The one that. <laughs> yeah, because Oliver Reed cannot <laughs> sing. <laughs> no. <laughs> but have you seen Help by The, Beatle, the Beatles? Movie? I think I have. It, it's I mean, been a it's while. It's goofy. There's like a cult that, that they get mixed All of their with. films are yeah, fairly goofy. Yeah, they're all goofy. But I, I don't know. It's just. It, it, it's just it kind of was a transitionary period for them too. I'm not a huge Beatles buff, but I mean, it's kind of impossible to not know about the Beatles. Right. You know, if if you're, especially in like this culture, it's pretty much impossible. It was, you know, kind of their transitionary period from going from the mop top kind of 
bubble gum. No, I don't want to say that because it's not it's not exactly right. But you know the sound of the Beatles <laughs> I'm talking about. Yes. And, I, and I respect the Beatles. Yeah, you're trying yeah. not to be derogatory. I get it. Yeah, but it's just, you know what I mean? Like, it, they're, they're transitioning. And this was kind of the last one. Like, there's some great songs in that in that, um, in that that movie. And then there's some that are on, on the album that are not in the movie. One of my favorites is I've Just Seen a Face. Like, it's not... It's one of those unknown Beatles songs for the most part. It doesn't get a lot of airplay, but it's a great song, and it came from, you know, from the from the work they did on this movie. But you know, you look at the songs played during the film. Help, which is a huge song. Ticket to Ride. You gotta hide that love away. Um, a hard day's night, and just basically hit after hit after hit. Pretty amazing stuff that they managed to do, and this wasn't even their first movie. Um, I think they did a total of five, so they've... Well, what's funny is, by by all accounts, their worst film is my favorite soundtrack, and that's Sgt. Pepper. Oh, I see. That's probably, from from beginning to end, my favorite soundtrack of their films. I just, I love that soundtrack for it. It might be my favorite Beatles album. It's a very complete album, too, and it's, it's, you know, I I could go into it, but, like, the album cover on that one is is revolutionary, what it did, what it didn't, you know, just... The talent in that film and and soundtrack, so... You know, and it's one of those things where, yeah, I guess it's more musically than than typical, but a lot of the songs are just played in the background anyway. But um, yeah, th- this is one that I kind of think about, and I think what it is is just I like the music so much, and it fits so well with them. Like, you know, it's just it's sort of a light, you know. It, it, but it's a fun movie, but the soundtrack fits it perfectly. If I were to go into one that I like specifically, uh, that's more. In line with the definition that we that, you, that we kind of came up with earlier, it would probably have to it would have to be American Graffiti. I think that's just the the pinnacle of of using mu- music. And what was brilliant is it wasn't just playing on the background, uh, unbeknownst to the characters. It was in the characters' world too, which adds just so much to that layer of believability. It takes you into that time, and you're there with them because you know they have the radio going on. They have at, you know, at this at the uh, at a restaurant, they have the music going on in the background. And it all fits in seamlessly. Yeah, I, I that that movie was made to have a good soundtrack, and mm-hmm. it does not disappoint. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he's going to redo it with "Call Me Maybe" or something. You know, new, new you know, just to make it better. Uh, Friday, I yeah. <laughs> so that'll be interesting uh, yeah. with Harrison Ford doing backup vocals. I, I look forward to that. Yeah. yeah. I, my first selection, and I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna do chronologically, just it makes sure. sense and it also shows you kind of how it yeah. evolves. But my first one was The Graduate. Oh, okay. oh and, yeah, yeah. And yeah. this was also back, yeah, yeah. back in the day when the soundtrack was largely by one artist. And this was Simon and Garfunkel, so, yeah. the entire album. But it's got The Sound of Silence, it's got Mrs. Robinson, which is obviously almost titular, even though it's not, the song yeah, isn't called The Graduate. But <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, Mrs. Robinson is pretty well. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I is you know Scarborough Fair. It, everything, every song that they play during that movie goes well, and if you listen to the soundtrack, you can picture yeah. the scenes of the movie. I think that's almost, almost like we talked about almost doing what a score does. If you close your eyes and, or if you're just listening to the soundtrack without watching the movie, and you can tell when things are happening, yeah. that's a surefire sign of a good soundtrack. Yeah. Um, I this is an interesting case that I had the soundtrack before I had. I'd seen the movie. My yeah, my okay. uh, older brother Daniel had purchased the soundtrack for me. He used to buy me uh, random CDs that he think he thought I would like, uh, and this was his way to introduce me to Simon and Garfunkel. Interesting. And I, I listened to it and I really enjoyed it. Huh. And then I watched the film after, and it just it fit perfectly. So it, you know, I'm sure a lot of people 
see the movie first, especially when it came out, right. and then listen to the soundtrack, and they can see that. But for me, listening to the soundtrack a lot, it was cool to see when those songs popped up during what scenes. I see what you're saying. And, and having seen it relatively recently, because the first time I watched it was in the, you know, the blockbuster days, yeah. which is now a prehistoric era, <laughs> and yeah. then more recently showing, showing Michelle the film off the top 250, it's pretty high up on that list, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it's in the 20s, I think. Yeah. Uh, maybe even lower than that. But looking at that, you know, again, we're both in our in our, our mid-30s or getting to our mid-30s. Uh, and watching movies now is a different experience. Even our favorite films. Yeah. If watching movies now is a different experience than watching it. Just like I'm sure when, in another 30 years, watching films are going to be... Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you will hate things as, just as much as uh, you do. I was do. just going to say, I'm sure I'm going to hate Interstellar just as much. Oh, sure. And when I say hate, like, I, I, again, like I pointed out, it's not a bad movie. I just don't like it <laughs> at all. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that I hate it, but and, I hate And it. that's our Interstellar aside for the podcast episode, so now we can move on. But, yeah. yeah. Please. <laughs> uh, so I, Never. <laughs> so, again, I, I recommend, not only the movie, but I think that's the, the soundtrack for me, The Graduate, is is where I, the first movie, again, chronologically, that I think just has a solid soundtrack that goes with it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I already talked about American Graffiti. I think the other one that I really like, you already mentioned him in general, but Pulp Fiction does a great job with the soundtrack that it has. And I think that's really where... Um, Quentin Tarantino, for better or for worse, was at his most Quentin Tarantino-y. And you, and you could tell... I like using his name yeah, as, uh, as an adjective. Yeah, yeah. not just a noun. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's where he was the most Tarantino. For Again, for better or for worse. You know, but he obviously made an incredibly well-regarded movie. It's like seven on the IMDb, top two, you know, whatever. Um, I, I think that's an example of, of just scenes that you remember... You hear a song and you think about those scenes in, in that movie, and that's that's a like you said. That's a, I, I never thought about it that way, and like kind of like the other podcasts that we talked about, or maybe a future podcast, depending on how these get released. These aren't movies where I go, okay, this is a soundtrack movie. Let me rank my soundtrack movies because it's not an actual genre. It's just a thing that happens to happen because of the choices by the director. So get with that out of the way. I don't like. I don't go. Oh, this is my favorite soundtrack movie. Maybe outside of American Graffiti because it's so well married into it. But um, when I think about Pulp Fiction, I think a lot of the music in the background of that movie, and it's pretty hard to divorce the two. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, a couple of the other ones that I, I wanted to mention, you're, they're, they're kind of fall into the trapping of uh, of musicals, which are this is Final Tap. Which, again, was made for the movie itself. Saturday, right. Saturday Night Fever. Which I don't love that movie, but it's undeniable. It's a really fun soundtrack yeah, to listen to. It, it, and it's, that's probably one of the most, you know, fetching reasons to watch that movie yeah, is because of the soundtrack. Exactly. And it then, might even be its reason for existing. <laughs> yeah, and then my all-time favorite musical, um, which is Moulin Rouge. Right. Exclamation point. <laughs> which is the proper title. Yeah. <laughs> um... And I know those don't really fall into pure soundtrack because they have the musical aspect to it, but maybe it just in my mind that's where it sticks out more. Right. And especially Moulin Rouge, Rouge where this is obviously taking place around the 1800s, 1900s, and all these songs are not from that time frame. Um, I, I like that experimentation as, as making the soundtrack integrating into the world of the movie, even though it doesn't 
you know, chronologically fit into the time frame. I like that idea. I thought that was a ton of fun. It updated the songs. Some of them, it gave them new meaning in some ways. And it, it almost acted like a like an extended music video for all of these songs within the context of the movie. And I think that was a ton of fun, too. Yes. I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, I know you have a couple others that you uh, you wanted to go through. Yeah. And, and so this one... This one came up, and again, it's it, it's a little bit older, uh, 1973. This one came up when I was I, when I was working at Blockbuster, and even a little bit after that, I would get attached to a director, and I would just or an actor, and I would plow through and their I'm whole sure that catalog. Was so easy to do because didn't they sometimes do that at Blockbuster where like they had a movie, and then like if it was a popular one, like then an alternate title on the row well, by the same director. Well, yeah, and, yeah, and often you know near the end of, of the run of Blockbuster, we pretty much had carte blanche on what we wanted to do because they didn't care. <laughs> so I would make like director actor showcases, or when they made us do an Oscar wall, I would put my favorite films, even if they were nominated for like you know best cat editing <laughs> or <Yeah>. something. <laughs> but if it was one of my favorite films, then and it was is Oscar. That, okay, wait, is that editing? Oh, I'm not going to explain it. No, oh, okay. I'm going to. I'll let you uh, you go into that one. <laughs> but uh, no, yeah, it could be a lot of things with cat yeah, editing. Yeah, that's a, that's a that's a weird one. Um, but you know, if it was nominated for an Oscar in any category and it was, it was a movie I loved, oh, I threw it on that wall. Yeah. It's like I don't, you know, I'm not going to put The Godfather. Everyone knows The Godfather. I'm going right. to put this. So they go, huh? That was Oscar nominated. Yeah, and stuff like that. Or so I could make my own thing, but when I got into... And then it's like nominated for like best editing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I told you, best cat editing. Yeah. You need to, I mean, there's been a long yeah, line of... Yeah, that's not a major of, Oscar, but it's there. Yeah. Yeah. Or even a recognized Oscar, because <laughs> they spell out O-S-K-A-R. Right, yeah. Uh, but it was uh, Sam Peckinpah. Oh, yeah. So I've yeah. seen all of his films, mm -hmm. and most of them are westerns. Yeah. Or or have even like bring me the head of Alfredo Garcia or Major Dundee that's a civil war and a revenge picture. They still have those Western themes and, yeah, and bullet with, points. With the with the, um, the code of conduct and the sure. morality, sure. Uh, but and and I'll be clear, and I think I've mentioned this. I love westerns. It's my second favorite genre, mm -hmm. and he's my favorite Western director because he's got three or four that for me are eminently watchable. Okay, and done well in a non-conventional way and that's nothing that's not to take anything away from anthony mann john ford howard hawks right. any of these amazing western directors sergio leone yeah yeah uh but sam peckinpah is definitely my favorite western okay. director and wild bunch is probably still my favorite western however pat garrett and billy the kid is one of my favorite soundtracks hmm. and it's a all again much like the graduate by one artist it's bob dylan Interesting. And it is the first time that Knocking on Heaven's Door, it was written for the film. I did not know that. Yep. And then I, you so know. It wasn't an original Axl Rose. No. <laughs> no. And then a lot of them are, are just called, you know, Billy One, Billy Four, Billy Seven. And do you know who the actors are that play the two no. leads? So Pat Garrett is played by uh, James Coburn. He was in the original Magnificent Seven. He's the guy that throws the yeah, knives. Yeah, yeah. James Coburn, you know, a great actor. Ended up winning uh, an Oscar, I think, maybe a year before he died for Affliction. That movie oh, with he yeah, and Nick Nolte. Yeah. But uh, Billy the Kid is played by then more known as musician Chris Christopherson. Oh, yeah. So okay. what's, guess... what's funny about the soundtrack is even though it's, it's written completely by Bob Dylan, half the songs are sung by Chris Christopherson. I mean, that might be better in some in some ways. Uh, well, yeah, Chris Christopherson had a great voice, especially yeah. when he was a younger man. Uh, but and Bob Dylan's a little bit less approachable in some ways. Just 
that is Nobel Prize winner yes. Bob Dylan. And I, love, and I like Bob Dylan, <laughs> but at the same time, some of his songs are a little bit hard to approach. And there's a scene with uh, Slim Pickens, who uh, most people know from uh, uh, Blazing Saddles. Yeah. He's the overly racist guy in that movie, in a movie full of racists. Oh, that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the bigger guy. He, yeah. he is, you know, he could run a clinic on how to be that guy in Westerns. But there's a scene with him in it, and that's the when they play Knocking on Heaven's Door, that is one of the best musical moments mm. I have ever seen in film. Oh. And the song works so well. And, and that is an underrated Western, and it's I, I think it's, even though Wild Bunch is my favorite, it's probably Sam Peckinpah's best film, hmm. to be honest. Okay. Uh, love that. It's one of the many I'm going to make you watch before we discuss. And by discuss, I mean scratch the surface, surface of Westerns. Westerns. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the soundtrack is fantastic. Uh, it, and I like Bob Dylan a lot. I, again, his songs are weird and some of his, yeah. his stuff, but I think that is a great album, um, oh. cover to cover. Interesting. I did not know that Knocking on Heaven Door, Heaven's Door was from that movie. Yep. That's, that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. I, <laughs> you learn something new every day. Yep. <laughs> Mission accomplished. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, so to kind of redeem myself from... You got a long way to go, my yeah. friend. Yeah. <laughs> from a, re- a, a recent podcast that we released on, on the over, under, and properly rated, where in which I talked about um, Guardians of the Galaxy and how it's overrated. Um, period. It's overrated. Um, one thing that is not overrated in that movie, and I'm, I'm happy to admit this, the soundtrack is pretty phenomenal in that movie. And just like some of these other movies you know, it's, it's happening to the you know he has his little cassette and it's, it's not only not only is it just a great soundtrack but it's also a, a minor plot point with his pair, with his mother and all that different stuff but um, that's an amazing soundtrack and I think you would agree too that's the only thing I agree with you about that film so yes <laughs> yes that, it is a phenomenal soundtrack it's, it's pretty amazing I mean it hooked on a feeling go all the way spirit of the sky moon uh, uh, moon age daydream uh, it's it's probably up love. there, yeah, including you know inflation uh, and you know based on how much it's probably one of the top selling soundtracks of all time. I, I would imagine, think so, yeah. Just because that was hyped up, and I'm sure like the Bodyguard is up there, or whatever. Yeah. Sure, but uh, I think that was one of those. The, the, that was one of the pieces of the movie that I actually enjoyed a lot, and it, because it tied into the plot a little bit. That was great. I full disclosure, as of the recording of this podcast, I haven't seen Volume Two. I think you said you did, right? Not yet. Oh, no. Okay. But um, from what I understand, that one has a pretty good soundtrack as well on it. So we'll maybe have to uh, revisit. Well, you know, when we, if we if and when we do revisit this topic, we can touch on that one. But forgive me if I'm hesitant to discuss anything Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy. Related. Hey, if it's a great movie, it's a great movie. I can't. I, <laughs> I'm not going to. Uh, I'm not going to argue movies and great if it is. But regardless, um, taking a peek at the soundtrack for that one. Let's see here, I'm trying to pull it up on Wikipedia. And, uh, yeah, seems like it's got a lot of good hits on there, too. It's Render by Cheap Trick. <laughs> it specifically calls out to me. <laughs> That's funny. But um, oh, there's some George Harrison on there. Any other specific ones that you wanted to talk about before I get into some of my other ones? Well, yeah, so I had Guardians on mine. Yeah, um, yeah I stole it from you. Yeah. It, which is funny that you wanted to talk about Guardians of the Galaxy. It's a good soundtrack. It's and like I'm not a huge '80s person. Like I don't go gaga as soon as the '80s are invoked in certain things. 
but it was a good soundtrack and you know watching the movie again recently for our over under properly rated one that was the part that I probably enjoyed the most and again like I said it tied into the movie which was itself cool because it it wasn't just there to be there it tied into the movie I'm gonna find a way to recut this because you said enjoyed the most movie ever <laughs> and recut it saying that Guardians of the Galaxy is the movie you've enjoyed the most ever. ever. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to be my goal. Anyway, yes, before before you have a rebuttal is coming. That, is that your cat editing thing? <laughs> yeah, obviously. <laughs> Do your research, okay? Yeah. On cat editing. Uh, so the rest of my soundtracks, and I, I, I... Again, so I told you my one of my older brothers, Daniel, bought me the Graduate soundtrack. Right. Soundtracks were kind of a big deal for him and then Brian, who you've met. Yeah. Uh, and this is a topic that we discussed. We owned not only cassettes, but then later CDs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a handful of them that I I really like. And I'll, I guess I'll just touch on them briefly. But uh, Boogie Nights, so by oh, one of your yeah, favorite yeah, directors. Yeah, yeah. Boogie Nights is just a phenomenal. And it's Sounds, got it's got yeah. a funny one because one of the songs is Mark Wahlberg and John C. Riley singing. And it's very serious. <laughs> but a lot of it is... And, 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 and Mark Wahlberg is not a... It's not a you know, I mean, Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. Yeah, so I mean, there's that. Like, he knows uh, what he's doing a little bit, but yeah, I mean, Jungle Fever, um, Marvin, <laughs> Marvin Gaye, got to give it up. I mean, a, lo- a lot of these songs are... Best of My Love by The Emotions, yeah. Spill the Wine by Eric Burden and War, yeah. Machine Gun by The Commodores, Ain't No Stopping Us Now, yeah. Sister Christian, which is hilarious, and the part that it takes place definitely works for it, Living Thing by ELO. I, I think that is a fantastic... Jesse's Girl? It, it's a fantastic yeah. uh, soundtrack. And it works well with this movie, I think. You know, Mama Told Me, Three Dog Night. Yeah, it's kind of got that 60s, 70s sort of funky just, yeah. And it works well because it it runs the gamut and years that the film runs. And it shows uh, P.T. Anderson's, uh, you know, deft touch in making that happen. Yeah. It's very, like, you use, we'll use names as adjectives, but it's very Scorsesean or it's very Tarantino (laughs) of him to... (laughs) <laughs> to make that happen. And Boogie Nights is just, it's a really, I, I remember that being a double CD. Yeah. And, and a, a double record too recently. As, as records oh, have, released? Oh, yeah, cool. records have come back in. Oh, that's cool. Which is a lot of fun actually. But that that's a phenomenal soundtrack. And then, Brian and I were just, you know, machine gunning back and forth soundtracks. Train Spotting. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A yeah phenomenal yeah. soundtrack. Yeah. Uh, uh, Gross Point Blank with John Cusack. I don't know that I've seen that. That'll be one that yeah. I'd recommend to you uh, as, as one of our other podcast episode, <laughs> long-running episodes. Uh, and then one of the ones that I like a lot is High Fidelity, and that'll be my my actual okay. one that I discuss. Have you seen High Fidelity? Uh, also with very, John Cusack? Very long time ago, but yes. So High Fidelity is interesting because the book takes place in London, and they transplant it into Chicago, which makes sense, I guess, for the music scene. <laughs> And it, the book, even more so, takes music very seriously. Interesting. And, then, and there's even a scene, and I, I, it'll be difficult for me to, to quote it because I haven't seen that movie in a little bit, but there's a scene when John Cusack is making a mixtape, which, as mm-hmm. you know, a mixtape is essentially a soundtrack for another person. Like, you're, you're right. trying to make them feel something, or if you're very close to that person, it's it'll remind them of yeah. times with you. And the way he's talking, you know, he says something along the lines and of... For, for the younger viewers, a mixtape is just a playlist... But it's like on a physical thing, like cassette. It looks... I don't even know how to describe a cassette, but... <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a rectangle DVD <laughs> that yeah, has music okay, on yeah, it. Yeah, it's a rectangle DVD that has like um, like scotch tape. It's just scotch tape. That's, yeah. that's all that was. That's all yeah. uh, <laughs> But the way he just discusses doing a mixtape, he says, you gotta... 
you gotta come in strong, but not too strong, because you wanna hook them. And then as you go in, you get the really, the powerhouses, or as my brother and I have often discussed it as, it's almost like a, a baseball lineup. You have to have yeah. a good leadoff hitter, but you have to have a strong lineup all the way through the batting order. And it's the same thing with soundtracks. And the whole movie is is just, his life is a soundtrack. He discusses, he goes through his, his, uh, his girlfriends, he goes through major life events, and the, <laughs> You know, the the soundtrack runs the gamut. You have Jack Black singing his cover of Let's Get It On. Right. And this was, bef- I think, before Tenacious D. I'm almost positive before Tenacious D. Tenacious but C. it showed it's got Stevie Wonder on it. It's got The Kinks. It's got The Velvet Underground, uh, Stereo Lab. Velvet Underground, what song? Uh, it, it has Oh Sweet Nothing and Who Loves the Sun. Huh. Yeah, it was, again, uh, Barry White's on there, uh, The Jam, Aretha Franklin. So it's got, it is, it is essentially a mixtape. It's funny that you mentioned Jack Black because the next one I wanted to talk about was School of Rock, which, you know, a, a pretty obvious choice for a good soundtrack. And as you can imagine, if it definitely favors more, you know, classic rock than, than a lot of other genres. But you still have like Whitney Houston on there, Greatest Love of All. I think you even have Aretha Franklin on here. But the big thing was that uh, Led Zeppelin actually agreed to allow them to use one of their songs, which they very, very rarely did. Uh, up until this point, and there was an immigrant song, and it was only in a short scene, but um, the soundtrack in that movie, and obviously the movie's about him trying to create, you know, create a musical, I guess middle school musical versus high school musical, whatever, but um, yeah, that movie had a great soundtrack, and I mean, just looking at it here again, you know, it's, do you remember rock, uh, rock and Roll Radio, Sunshine of Your, Lo- uh, of Your Love by Cream, Back in Black, Iron Man, Highway to Hell. I mean, just all all the big hits from that from the '70s and some of the '60s. Just amazing stuff in that one. Uh, one of the other ones that I, that takes place in that well, the music the, the movie takes place in that time setting was uh, Almost Famous by Cameron Crowe, which again has great soundtrack, great great soundtrack, and another movie much like uh, you know American Graffiti that just lends itself to the soundtrack. Yeah, exactly. I mean, because it's it's perfect. It, it kind of it arcs with the character, with the movie itself. Um, yeah, and it, it even actually, you mentioned Velvet Underground, it even has a song called I'm Waiting for the Man by, um, uh, it's it's more or less a Velvet Underground song. The, the lead singer of the band Lou Reed is the um, uh, is the credited artist. It's a live performance, but point being, I mean, you had some really deep tracks on there. And I think that's, you know, Cameron Crowe has, has a huge respect for that time frame and it knows it and, and understands it. And that, that soundtrack exemplified the, the feeling of, of that time frame and just Cameron Crowe's kind of his love letter to that time, which was awesome. Yeah, Almost Famous is something that I, it's a movie, it's my favorite Cameron Crowe film. Yeah. It's easily my favorite uh, Kate Hudson role. Um, and I, it's... See, I'm, I'm a how to lose a guy in 10 days kind of person. Yeah, I mean, obviously. <laughs> Yeah, calling me surprised. Yeah, you looked at me with so much hate right there. Well, the good news is it made me forget about your uh, your idiotic comments about Guardians of the Galaxy. So that's the good news about that. And <laughs> that the soundtrack was good. Is that what you're talking? Oh wow, sure. So, so I guess we disagree on that. I'm that's gonna cool. cat edit you out of this podcast. <laughs> um, so I, I guess I have one more, uh, and this is again, I think this is more. This is more fun for me to get into than disaster films, but again, I yeah. don't have like I didn't have coming into this if, my if favorite. We ever, or if we ever talk about disaster films, or you know, because we already have already talked about them, I don't know yet. Time so. is a flat circle. <laughs> um, 
you know, this was more fun for me. The disaster films, it was cool to think about, you know, uh, Towering Inferno and, and yeah. uh, you know, Hilary Swank, obviously. And, and and other other movies that we will or have or possibly will discuss. But this one was fun to go into because you're looking at two variables. You're looking at the movie and you're looking at the, the, the mm-hmm. soundtrack and you're looking at how they coexist or right. how they how they fare independently of each other. And my last film is, and I talk about this movie, this is one of my, not hidden gem, but this is one of my, you know, I, I root for this movie. I'm, I'm a big fan of this movie. I'm, I, I support it. I give it hugs when it needs, you know, <laughs> and that's The Watchmen. Oh, yeah. And okay. I, I like this... I like this movie and this director, warts and all, and that's obviously yeah. Zack Snyder. He has his flaws, but I think, I think he can do. I think he can do a good movie, and I think his his soundtracks have been fun. Dawn of the Dead is an underrated sure. soundtrack. And I mean, I mean, up until Logan, Watchmen had my favorite trailer for a movie that isn't very good of all time, and it had one of the best trailer. Just an amazing song um, from the from the Smashing Pumpkins as the backing. Um, vocal. The beginning. The, the beginning is the end. Is the beginning, or the be, yeah, I think it's that one. There's there's two that are similar. It's like the beginning is the end is the beginning, and then the other one is the end is the beginning is whatever. There's one that's good, that's cool sounding. There's one that's not. It's the one that's cool sounding. You got a fifty fifty yeah. shot of, <laughs> yeah. of getting it. I, and for me, and I, I think I've, I'm sure I've discussed this. That's my favorite opening sequence ever in a film. The opening credit oh, sequence. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's the times they are changing. It's, yeah. it's a little bit of a modified version of it. Yeah. But it is Bob Dylan singing it. And it's not Chris Christopherson. No, it is not Chris yeah. Christopherson. Uh, but it's, I mean, again, and this movie also has the sound of silence, just like The Graduate had. Hello, Doug, has, my old friend. Yeah, it has uh, some Nat King Cole I, in there. I, I still, I'm going to argue that the best usage of that song is still Arrested Development. I mean, Arrested <laughs> Development is the best use of a lot of things, yeah, let's be honest. Yeah. Uh, it has Casey and the Sunshine Band, Billie Holiday. It has Leonard Cohen's version of Hallelujah, which isn't my favorite version of Hallelujah, but uh, who am I to go it's against? It's the original version. Did you not know that? No, I know, but okay. it's still not my favorite version of it. <laughs> it's, the, it's literally the original My favorite version. version of Hurt is not Nine Inch Nails' version. It's Johnny That's Cash's true. version, yeah, so okay. you can screw yourself. <laughs> and, uh, Ooh, wow, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then all along the Watchtower, Jim, you know, I, I almost said Jimi Hendrix, but that would be incorrect because it's a Jimi Hendrix experience. Yes. Uh, I mean, like two people know that, and yeah. one of them, uh, like half of them, are the people who are in the band. Yes, who nobody knows. Like, no. Yeah. And then um, ride, ride of the Valkyries, which is an incredibly famous orchestral yeah. piece, uh, yeah. which would actually, Valkyrie. I guess, be more <laughs> um, score than. Uh, but I know she. I know she. But it's I used mean, in a yeah. soundtrack way. It's it, but like using like the Trans Siberian Orchestra, their Christmas songs in yes. a movie. It's like okay, but I, I don't. Yeah. So that for me is a great sound. Surprisingly, I'm not going to be pedantic about that. <laughs> you're you're learning. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> Let's move on before you change your mind. Yeah. What is your pick? Mm. <laughs> um, so what, what kind of an irreverent example? Wayne's World. Um, I, I, it's. It, I like the first movie a lot. Number two is just more of the same goofiness. But the soundtrack... It's just not as well done, but it's still fun, yeah. Yeah, the soundtrack is pretty amazing. I mean, Bohemian Rhapsody... Are you talking about two? No, 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 the first one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Because I think that's the one that most people would think about. Sure. Yeah. You you have Bohemian Rhapsody, which, you know, they have that awesome scene in the car. Who hasn't done that with their friends (laughs) in the car? I I, 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 
honestly thought growing up that was like the music video for it. it just it was so well done it was perfect and you know uh, Dana Carvey just did a great it's just it's you, you could tell they were having so much fun in that scene. It's, Dana Carvey it's, definitely just did a Dana yeah. Carvey on that, and it works perfectly. Yeah. You could just tell they're having an obscene amount of fun in mm-hmm. that, which is awesome. Uh, Dream Weaver, which was used to just totally melancholic and just dramatic, overly dramatic, which was awesome. Foxy Lady by Jimi Hendrix Experience, to you know, to, to clarify here. Yes. Again, just a really really fun soundtrack. And it's, it's, the funny thing is, it's, you know, these, these older, or these middle-aged guys that just won't let go of this dream of the 70s, and, but it's, the soundtrack is perfect for, for what, it, for what it wanted to do. And Absolutely. I, I mean, just, I, you couldn't not mention that, the Bohemian Rhapsody scene, because it's just too perfect. <laughs> That's one of those scenes that I would show yeah. to anyone, even if, yeah. and I mean, the first Wayne World movie is, is one of those. It's really watchable, it's fun. It's, it's, it's a perfect 90s comedy. Yeah. I, and it, it is, I, it might not be as topical necessarily, but few things are, but I think it's watchable for any generation or any type of person. Yeah. And the soundtrack, again, fits also into that, into that frame. Yeah, and one that I should mention, because it's a recent movie, and I haven't, I'm not a fan of this particular genre, but um, Straight Outta Compton, you know, the recent movie had the soundtrack, you know, even just looking at it, somebody who's not a fan of rap and, and, that, and, that, and that style of music, but just looking at it, it's like I know a lot of these songs just because it's a who's who of, yeah, of it's uh, a, that genre. Yeah, I mean it's a pretty it's a pretty incredible um, soundtrack, and it's a more recent example of a great movie that that did a great job with the soundtrack. That again fit its style perfectly, and that's that's the tough thing to do. I think with these movies is fit the style. It fit the style. I mean it's um, you know you're just looking at this a lot. It's obviously a lot of Ice Cube and Dr. Dre because of the album itself. But sure, um, just a lot of the other um, samples, you know, a lot of the other things are like you said, a who's who of of, uh, of that particular of the rap genre. And got to hand it to them, and that's why I think that movie was so popular. It was even memed for a while, and it's a it's an soundtrack that people really like. And yeah, yeah. So, and it shows just. I mean, that's what was that 2015? 2015. Yeah. So. Soundtrack and obviously Guardians of the Galaxy Two was this year. Right. So soundtracks, ever since you know, obviously you yeah. know, the Great Train Robbery was a silent film, so it <laughs> didn't have the rock and a soundtrack. Right. But you know, even back in the day, they would have people playing a piano right. while the patrons watched the silent. And film. a lot of that wasn't was original music, so it's you know, it kind of blurred the line. It's it's not a score in the same way. It's it's. I, yeah, that's a whole other thing. But. Well, yeah, that'll be our silent film podcast yeah. where we're holding cue cards to each other. Yeah, but we're not talking, and yeah. it's forty minutes of silence. Well, or, well, you'll hear the sound of us riding on those bicycles with a big wheel in front. Yes, and then you you're probably waxing the mustache and stuff like that. But that 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 won't be our our best podcast. You know, well, I don't know, maybe maybe not. That actually, <laughs> I've I've listened to our podcast. That might be our best podcast. <laughs> Um, you know, that's really all I had as far as the ones over here. This isn't like a genre where you just go, you know, soundtrack movies and then all of a sudden there's like a list of every single movie that has a good soundtrack. You can find top lists or whatever, but it's not like a... It's incredibly... Yeah. In, in a, I mean, in a podcast that is subjective, it's a, an incredibly subjective yeah, topic. exactly. But it's fun to kind of look at the difference in how these directors have chosen... Okay, instead of using a composer, not because the composer couldn't have done their job, but this particular song for whatever reason fit my vision or fit their vision. And it's, it's fun to look at that. And there's been some, I think there's some great examples of, you know, scenes that hit harder because of those, because we know these songs or, you know, we've heard them before and now they have a new meaning or a new visualization. 
it's hard for me to think about Bohemian Rhapsody without the headbanging scene from Wayne's World. It, it's just, it, even though I know the music video, I know the song, it's just so hard to think about that song. And that's just now how it is, but, but that's, that's the fun of it. And yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's a fun topic and it's, it's fun to listen to the movies and especially when you go with certain directors, you know, yeah. you're, you're gonna what am I going to hear? Yeah. What, what did they what pick I, yeah. for this song? And I think Paul Thomas Anderson does a good job with it. I think obviously Quentin Tarantino, Martin Scorsese. Yeah. And they, they don't rely on a hundred percent of the time. Like I don't think AV, uh, Aviator, uh, uh, Shutter Island, there we go. Really had it. I can't think of anything. It was just, that was just a pure score. Hateful Eight for the most part was just scored. Again, it made sense because it's, one of the best composers for the Western genre, yeah, doing his, some of his best work. Don't, yeah, you're you're, you're cool. It's you don't one of the few to, times he showed restraint yeah, and stayed yeah, out. Yeah, of it. you don't need to add like blazing saddles for some for some random reason into that. Which is funny because Django has actually a good soundtrack. It, it, it does, doesn't yeah. rely on it, but I think those are very different westerns. Right. Yeah, and it made sense for this for that type of western. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, like like Andrew, like we always talk about. Let us know your examples. I'm sure we missed some. There were a couple that were popping in my head that I didn't get to talk about, but you know, I'd love to in the future. But let us know what you think are some of the best soundtrack, or you even not even a movie that's a soundtrack movie, quote unquote, but a, a, a song that that was already written for something else that was used to great effect in the movie. I would love to hear that because that's it's tough to do, and those are mem- those are memorable scenes. Yeah. Or are there any soundtracks that just don't work? I, I didn't really yeah. deep dive it. Yeah, I, because I, good I, soundtracks stand out, I, I, bad soundtracks don't. I tried don't. to think about that. I didn't really notice anything, and I, I think part of what it is um, is if these are songs that are popular enough to be used in movies. For the most part, again, there's some examples like Steeler's Wheel, um, "Stuck in the Middle," which is an unknown song, but it worked because it was an unknown song, and it just it it was just bizarre. Like it didn't, it, you know what I mean? Like it just it just it worked. I don't think there's a ton of those that. There's songs that are popular that don't that don't fit. There's ones that are in not well-made movies, and I think you can think of just you know any crappy comedy or whatever where they just throw a song in. But I don't think it hurts the movie overall. It's just oh, okay. Well, now I'm hearing a popular song, didn't really fit, but that's just or like Project X for example, which is another soundtrack movie. Did they all fit? Not really. But the, that the point of that movie wasn't that, so it didn't right. it didn't detract from it. So yeah. So let us know your guys' thoughts on it. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it just it's it's a fun thing to discuss. It you kind of also it's, think it's hard without the music. Too, yeah. Because, oh, remember that song? <laughs> yeah. But that that goes into a fair use thing. I don't think we can we can play a lot of. Uh, uh, we could play like a short excerpt, but yeah. that's just one of those things where you know it's a lot of work and. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of work. No, not even that. It's just it's. I think it's better to see the movie and. You know, if you're if you're piqued by what we're talking about, yes, I'm sure most of our listener has seen Guardians of the Galaxy, so they know what we're talking about. And if there's movies that we've mentioned that you haven't seen, then it's it's going to be similar to that kind of effect where it just fits the style and it, it complements what's going on on screen. And you know, if you're curious, watch the movie. What's it's two hours? It's not it's not the end of the world, and you're going to hear some probably some pretty good music or music that maybe you didn't listen to before that you kind of like. So yeah. So uh, thanks again for listening. This has been uh, Tracking Shots. I'm Andrew. I am Richie. And you guys have a great day.